You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Guys, it's Super Week still. And today I saw some of our friends on the beach. We're near the beach, at least <laughs> in Tampa, talking about football. I'm getting a little more excited. I feel like we are nearing a little bit more of that Super Bowl feeling that I have been looking for all week and I have not been able to get chased. I've been chasing it. I've been chasing the feeling. And looking at old pictures of me at parties has not helped. It has not worked at all. Like, what if it was our teams in it? Maybe if it was our teams in it, like I mean, we could rewrite duh. history and put Bears versus Raiders. I think we'd be way more excited in this. But yeah, uh, I think that's a pretty just, good take. Man, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'll be here for the rest of the night. Trust me, I got you. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're an extra long show tonight, so stick around for more hot takes. Like, we would be more excited if our teams were playing in the Super Bowl. You never this know what you're going to get. going to get me on first take. This kind of stuff's going to get me right to the top, y'all. <laughs> Stephen A., let's go. Bring it. I got the takes. <laughs> We're presented by Progressive Insurance. A lot of good guests. They're going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and we're taking you right up to Nuggets Lakers here on ESPN Radio at 9.30 Eastern. An extra 30 minutes of good times. Uh, You know what I wanted to talk about with you? We had Joe Fortenbaugh on last night, and as as we were talking to him, I was making a list of the bets I'm going to make. Um, Because I've been chasing that Super Bowl feeling and not finding it, I figured I would chase that gambling feeling on Sunday, and it would at least add an element to the game that I don't usually have since everything else has been stripped away this year. And I was thinking about predictions that I would make for the game and how that would lead my gambling, which is what Joe suggested. How do you think it's going to go and then make decisions for where you place your bets on that? So I thought I would ask us a couple questions about the game We'll write down our opinions, and then come Monday, we'll figure out who had the best idea of how this game was going to go. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready for this. Okay. Which team will have more sacks on Sunday? See, this is a tough question because you've got a beat-up offensive line for the Chiefs, and you've got uh, a team with, uh, with the Bucks that I'm expecting to be blitzed a lot. But I think... I think I'm going to have to go with the Bucks get more sacks just because the tackle position is so questionable right now, and the Bucks have been on fire. It feels like sacks come in bunches, and the way that Shaq Barrett has played of late, I, it's hard for me to bet against them being able to pull in a bunch of sacks. So I'm going to go with the Bucks get more sacks. Okay. I'm going to say the Chiefs. The reason Ooh. for that is a twofold. One, Tom Brady, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, his average yards per scramble this year was point oh two of a yard. <laughs> so career high. No, I'm <laughs> so we know he's not mobile. Whether or not I got that stat perfectly accurate, we know that Tom Brady's not mobile, so the likelihood of him getting tackled is higher than Patrick Mahomes. But beyond that, Mina Kimes, our friend today, one of the aforementioned friends that's sitting out there in Tampa in the nice weather talking football, had this great uh drop back sheet of of spray sheets of of where they pass after they drop back and one of the things she talked about is how it's so important when you're taking on tom brady you're fine with a bunch of interior pressure because if he rolls out he's not going to do much with it and with patrick mahomes you need to close the edges on him and not allow him to roll out in either direction and do the kind of damage he can do with his legs and with his arm when he's rolling out so to me that means that the Bucks are going to be more focused on handling the edges and less sure of themselves in pressuring right down the middle, that interior pressure for fear that Patrick Mahomes will expose them, whereas we know that Tom Brady can't move outside, is more likely to be a sitting duck. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs having more sacks. 
Okay, I like that. The next I like question. That. We disagree so far. We yeah, do. We, disagree. we do right. disagree. Yeah, Which yeah, team sorry. is going to take more risks? This is very subjective, but this essentially will mean going forward on fourth down, fake punt, you know, whatever other kind of things we would describe. Like, who's going to have more onions? Uh, that, to me, is always going to be the Chiefs. And, and I said this the other day. Uh, I feel like right now – Andy Reid is coaching without any fear of repercussion. And that's such a different spot to be in for most coaches. When you come in and say, I don't really care what anybody thinks or what it could mean for my future. Like you're just in this bubble of you're, you're red hot as a play caller. You're red hot in the way that you're running this team. And you know that you've got security. It allows you to just be a different play caller. And this version of Andy Reid has been so incredibly aggressive. I think early on, he's going to be setting the tone. So I could see fourth down being just uh, throughout the course of the game for the Chiefs, the down that they go for because they feel confident in their ability to get it. So uh, they'll be more aggressive in my mind. I want to I go with you because we've already heard about some of the trickery that he has planned. He hasn't told us exactly what, but we've seen it before. Remember last year's Super Bowl against the Niners? Four players in the backfield did a 360 turn before Damian Williams took the direct snap and ran, ran the touchdown in two plays later. There was that kind of crazy play. We know that Andy Reid is willing to put the onions on the line. We've seen it many times. On the other side of the ball, though, we have Bruce Arians, who literally has a saying, no risk it, no biscuits. So this is a tougher decision than almost anyone against the Chiefs. The Chiefs would usually be my go-to. And then you look at the fact that Arians is a guy who's always been willing to take those shots. Uh, It would be more interesting if I picked the opposite of you, but I'm going to go Chiefs on this one, too. Yes! All right. Moving on. Who is the most likely non-quarterback MVP in this game. I think we're going to agree on this one, so I can change my pick if it's too safe. But I feel like Travis Kelsey, to me, is mm. going to be the star of this game. Uh, he's the one that I'm, I'm willing to put money on to be the MVP uh, just because I think they're going to be so committed to, to stopping Tyree Kill. It's going to leave Kelsey opportunity. He's going to have a bunch of catches and a lot of impact in this game. So I'll go Kelsey, unless you're going Kelsey too, in which case I'll mix it up. But let, well, let's see where you are. Well, I was going to go Kelsey because uh, when we talked to Joe Fortenbaugh yesterday, I told him that that was my game plan was the Bucks decide we're not going to get beat the same way last time in the first quarter by Hill. We're going to try so hard to stop him that it's going to open things up for the big freak tight end. Uh, there is a chance for Michael Hardman, and, and that's something that he said, or um, Sammy Watkins even to have a big game because of that. But my gut says, Kelsey, you want to make a different pick or you want to pick the same? I'll just say this. If the Bucks are going to win this game, the MVP will be Shaq Barrett. That's the, my, my mm. bold prediction because it's going to take a great defensive effort. And anytime you stop a brand as big as Patrick Mahomes at this point, it's going to come from pressure somehow, some way that comes. And we've seen Shaq be on such a roll right now. I think you could get a bunch of sacks. And if he does that in this game and somehow the Bucks pull off the win, I think Shaq will be the MVP. So I can. All right, go I'm going to give you that as your secondary. We'll both take Kelsey. You'll have okay. Shaq Barrett. I'll have Clyde Edwards Alaire as my secondary, because while people may have said that Dan Orlovsky was making a hot take earlier in the day when he said, uh, you know, uh, of all the things that, you you know, wild prediction that could come true. He said that he thought it would be possible that Clyde Edwards Alaire would have 150 yards plus in this game and win MVP for the reasons that we said earlier, right? That they would be so focused on stopping the, the passing game for the chiefs and all of those weapons that they would kind of let the run game uh, take over. We saw last year a surprising performance from Damian Williams, right? 17 rushes, 104 yards, uh, a guy that kind of stood out for the Chiefs in that win. 
And I do think there's a possibility that we're underestimating the per- importance of the run in this game because we're so focused on those weapons. So he'll be my my backup, which leads me to which team is going to have more total rushing yards in this game. That is going to be the bu- uh, that's going to be the Bucks because I don't think that the the Chiefs can actually rush effectively on these Bucks linebackers. I think the Bucks linebackers are are such a incredible group. Plus, I think that we are going to see aggressiveness and play calling from Andy Reid. So, uh, if I believe that Kelsey and Hill are going to be the big difference makers, and I do, that means they don't try and run the ball as much. So, uh, all of those things combined with the fact that the way you beat the Chiefs is to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. So, I'll go with the Bucks are going to be more committed to establishing the run, so the Bucks have more rushing yards. Okay, that's good because I was going to take the Chiefs because, of course, I just said that if Ooh. there would be a secondary backup, it would be Clyde Woods Lear. So it would be really weird if I thought that they weren't going to rush the ball that much after saying that, particularly because we know that the Chiefs use more RPOs than anybody else and do it better than anybody else. So if they are given that option, they will run the ball and they will beat you that way and they will have no problem doing so. Uh, even if it takes Patrick Mahomes' arm out of the game, they don't care as long as they get the win. All right, last one. Bigger impact in the game, also very subjective. But Kelsey or Gronk, that doesn't mean most yards or catches. Maybe one gets a touchdown, the other gets more catches. It's going to be up to us to decide which uh, which is more effective. I'm going to go with Kelsey again uh, just because of his uh, how big of a part of the game plan he's going to be. All right, unfortunately, I'm making the same pick, and that's mainly because I think that the Chiefs are going to win, so while Gronk might have a touchdown, it won't feel as important as Kelsey doing a good job. By the way, Kelsey and Gronk are the same age. That is something that I heard today. What? And I went like this. Because I kept thinking that Gronk was at a different place in his career, mainly because of age, when in fact it's just that he, a couple extra games every year, right, uh, is what happens to your body. And... Um, he, he blocks, and, and he's taken a beating, and so that's why he appears to be significantly older when they are the same age. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Coming up, we'll get into the challenges facing the Bucks defense next. ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We just made some predictions and some guesses about the way the game might go on Sunday. Now it's your turn. At Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz is where you can make a bold prediction, but not a bold prediction sure to be wrong, a bold prediction you actually think will be right. It could be a play call. It could be a halftime cameo performer who shows up with the weekend. If you get it right, uh, correct predictions are going to get a shout out on Monday's show. Maybe some swag. I don't know how that works. I've been in a bubble in my closet in Chicago for, for literally a year. So, uh... We'll, the we'll, only uh, we'll, swag we have is swag in a closet somewhere from yeah. shows that no longer exist. So we'll just send you random, like you know. What about Swagoo? Uh, yeah. Could we just send them Marcus Spears? Is that shipping would probably be prohibitive? Uh, yeah, there. I, and, and, uh, he's got a certain way he expects to travel to. That'd be a very right. Expensive that's very present. expensive. Yeah. It's Spain and yeah. Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason <laughs> Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. A lot of the focus this weekend is, of course, going to be on these two offenses. But as I said today. On, on one of my radio interviews, I do think, Fitz, this is the kind of thing that I, we've been at this long enough that we're, we're starting to see ahead sometimes to where we might get caught up in the moment. I often do this to you where we'll all say, you know, now that we've said that, it's going to go the exact opposite. And so I think we do need to really be paying attention to how strong these defenses have been, particularly in the postseason, and what great play calling has been done by these defensive coordinators. Booger McFarland, the ESPN NFL analyst, was on Greeny with Greenberg today and talked about the ways the Bucks might try to beat the Chiefs on D. You're going to see two safeties back at all times, uh, whether they're playing half-field coverage or different coverage. You're going to see two safeties deep, deeper than the deepest at all times. 
And if they're doing that, then you're going to see a lot of short passes from the Chiefs. You're not going to see Tyreek Hill throwing up the deuces and saying Mimi uh, on his way to the end zone. You're not going to see that. Once they get inside the red zone, then you'll start to hear Tony Romo going crazy because now Ty Bowles will start to bring the blitzes, the pressure. You'll see Devin White become more involved uh, in the pass rush. You'll see Levante David become more involved. So you'll know this game is going according to plan when you start hearing Devin White and those guys as you get closer to the end zone. So Sarah, I agree that actually, with – go ahead. That actually matches some of what Joe Fortenbaugh told us yesterday as he was talking about prop bets. One of the bets he said to look at was number of passes by Mahomes because he threw so many passes against the Bucks earlier this season. Sort of that matches the strategy that Booger's talking about. I mean, you're talking about a ton of attempts, a ton of completions, and yards coming, but yards coming in a more patient way. So uh, that would actually match that strategy approach that we talked about yesterday. Agreed. And it absolutely matches what we just talked about in the last segment about why we both think Kelsey could be such a big part of this. Because when they played all that one safety press man the first time these two teams met, that's why they ended up with Tyreek Hill burning them so bad in the first quarter. They need to be able to make plays in man-to-man, and they need to be able to have deep two bracketing Hill where he can't make those long runs. The only thing I would say about that is... When you look at an athlete like Tyreek Hill, you can use him in those RPOs, you can use him in jet sweeps, you can use him on short passes, and he can still break off runs. Because he's got the jukes, because he's got the speed, he's a guy that if you decide to limit him one way, he doesn't disappear. He did a little bit in the second half of that game, but part of the issue with the Chiefs is, of course, you figured us out, great, we'll just go to somebody else and beat you. Um, in the Super Bowl, they probably will have prepared for both of the looks that they got from the Bucks in the game and how effective that second look was against Tyreek. And I'm sure Andy Reid shows up with a different game plan as a result. It doesn't uh, shock me, too, when you think about that process. By the way, it's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, Melvin Gordon was on yesterday with Chene and Golo Jr. when I was sitting in, and we talked a little bit about the division and how the division always plays the Chiefs tougher. I think there is an element, no matter how much you think you're deep enough in the secondary, when you play Tyreek Hill, it surprises you. I mean, the speed catches people off guard. We see it every week, and the analysts talk about it every week when they're covering the game. I, there is a little bit of a moment here where the Bucks, having faced him already, come in knowing how far deep enough is. I'm not sure everybody always knows that that principle. So uh, they have less adjustment at the beginning of the game to Tyreek's speed. That being said, we've also already talked a lot about this week. Andy Reid's uh, gumption as a play caller. I expect him to find interesting ways to get Tyreek involved early on. You're going to have to basically make this defense think that you're going to use Tyreek in other ways other than just that one seam right down the Mm -hmm. uh, route that we continually see them break down uh, when they're watching the games. But they're going to find interesting ways to make the the defense have to think to adjust to that. Worth noting, too, the Bucks are getting back corner Jamal Dean. He did not play in this team's first meeting, and so right. they had to move Sean Murphy Bunting to play the outside, something he's not used to. Their backup nickel had to move inside. So you get your starter back. Everybody's playing the position that they're best at and most comfortable, and that's a big difference. Listen, having one of your starting corners out against the Chiefs is a big deal, right? It might not be something we talk about as much with a guy like Jamal Dean versus some of the biggest name safeties in the game and corners in the game, but it's huge to have any of your DBs injured against a team with this many weapons. Uh, And you mentioned, of course, the inside of the Chiefs, that offensive line and the backup tackles going in. The Bucs got all their sacks versus Aaron Rodgers with a four-man rush. None of them required a blitz. So pressure with four is key here because, again, they can't 
overcommit to trying to get a sack and trying to pressure Mahomes because of his ability to read defenses and get the ball off quickly and his mobility. I do think, you know, you get Shaq Baird and JPP, you get those guys being able to get as much done without needing to go all in blitz. And to your point earlier, you think that's going to result in a bunch of sacks. I still think Brady goes down more, uh, but I do think worth worth keeping an eye on that that pressure with four. And that comes down to the first two or three drives of the game. I mean, we asked Mina about it earlier this week. We've been talking about it all this week. How's Andy Reid going to adjust his play calling? Because I'll go back to the one time that the Chiefs lost this year to the Raiders. The most interesting stat in that game was that they actually had a very good pass block win rate out of that game. However, Mahomes had to hold the ball for a really long time. So the book suddenly became make Mahomes hold it longer and drop everybody back into coverage and maybe you'll confuse him. But the Bills tried to do the same thing a couple of weeks later and it's like Mahomes had figured that out. Like he self-studied and grew past that. So now I'm not sure if the book is you want to keep the ball in his hands. If that's even the objective, well, how are the Chiefs going to accomplish even holding on to the ball if they want to when they've got to shorten everything up? So I do yeah. think that there's going to be a little adjustment in the first couple of drives of the game as everybody tries to figure out how they're adjusting their play calling to save themselves from their offensive line issues. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. On the other side of that, we talked a lot with Mina also about Steve Spagnolo's record against Brady, and he sometimes uses three to cause confusion. He sometimes blitzes. They actually threw 50% uh, – sorry, they blitzed Brady on 50% of his dropbacks the last time they met. That was the second most of the season, so I think we can expect that again. Also worth noting, Dan Orlovsky the other day on NFL Live showed us a bunch of times where Fournette and Jones missed the multiple seventh-man safety protection. What that means is essentially they missed – where they were supposed to be looking on those uh, offensive line or sorry defensive line rushes, and that blew up the play. Um, so something to keep an eye on as you're looking at uh, those guys trying to give Brady time to work back there. Coming up, we're going to dive more into the Chiefs and their defense. Uh, this will be continuing to be a fascinating look at how these defensive coordinators are trying to game plan for this matchup. It's coming up next on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast, where you can get some exclusive content only available there. And we're a little extra tonight. We're going a little longer. We're taking you up to the Nuggets-Lakers game that you can hear on ESPN Radio at 9.30 Eastern. So you get bonus Spain and Fitz. Look at that. That's a way to celebrate a Thursday. Okay, speaking of the Goodyear hotline, as we get ready for the Super Bowl, we're going to head over there now where we're joined by Bill's offensive lineman, Dion Dawkins. Dion, thanks so much for the time, and congratulations on a big season. We were just talking about these teams and their defenses because all everybody ever wants to talk about is the offensive side of the ball. You faced this Kansas City defense a couple of times. What's the toughest thing about what they do? Well, uh, the Kansas City defense, they play extremely hard, you know. Uh, and they go after it every play. They're uh, and they're chippy, they are physical, and uh, and they play fast. But um, like overall, they they fly around and they and they just and they just move fairly quickly with a lot of um, you know, a lot of get up. How I would call it. <laughs> we hear a lot about uh, Todd Bowles um, and him being aggressive, but. We also know that Steve Spagnola is a guy who knows how to mix it up and make things look different than you expect. How much time does it take to, to sit and go through film and look at all the different ways they're going to, you know, use three or, um, you know, blitz versus something else? Was it extra difficult when you were going to take on the Chiefs? Um, 
I wouldn't say it was extra difficult, but they do a good job of disguising, which means that we that we have to pay very, very close attention to them trying to trick us with basically putting a small guy in a big guy's position, but they're really getting to the same look almost. So uh, basically, if I could break it down a little more, like if they're running a diamond and we're used to seeing three big guys, they might put a smaller guy in the same position to make it look like it's not diamond, but it's really still diamond, if you can mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying. For sure. We're talking to Bill's offensive yeah. lineman, Deion Dawkins. Love these, uh, love the breakdowns on this stuff. This is this is great uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, the, the Chiefs are decimated on their offensive line. And you're an, you're a lineman. What's the biggest challenge for them coming into the game when you've got different guys playing that haven't played necessarily together all year? Well, um, I know that when they faced us, uh, I noticed that they had a couple of injuries. So the injuries will definitely pay a little part into it. I don't know if everybody is completely healthy, but, you know, any little bit of unhealthiness is a little bit of uh, chink in the armor. But um, the Tampa Bay defense is uh, is solid. You know, uh, JPP is playing, uh, if I would say, like one of his best careers ever. Uh, but, like, he's playing fast and he's getting to, to the ball and he's just uh, and become a ball hawk. So uh, I would say, honestly, him and the the other guys, they, uh, they're going to do a great job of, of, of putting the Chiefs to a challenge. Bill's offensive lineman Deion Dawkins with us here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. To, to put a finer point on what Fitz was asking, when you've got backups in that offensive line, what's the first thing to go or be a problem? Is it timing? Is it guys being able to read the defense? Like, what's the biggest? Yeah. Maybe maybe on every team it's going to be different because you might have backups on one team that could be starters somewhere else, and you might have backups that are pretty far behind the, the starter. But in general, what's the thing that's toughest to replicate when you when you mix up the guys on the line? Well, absolutely. Um, well, the quarterback definitely uh, has to just understand that his timing is going to be different because uh, let's say you have a all-pro left tackle and he's giving you nothing but but time, but, but then your backup like comes in and he's just right. giving you a half a second, a half a second less. And um, that plays a big part. But as far as, far as, as the offensive line, as, as a unit, uh, they just have to do a great job of overly communicating to one another because they're playing with, with guys that aren't always in their 75 plays uh, game. So they have to just remember and tap into that the things that we leaned on might not be in there just for a comfort zone, like knowing if my guard is going to express that, we, that, we're, that we're all like going left, that – they have to be on the same page that they might not say that because it's a different guy in there. We're talking to Bill's offensive lineman, Deion Dawkins, on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So I know the Super Bowl is coming up. A lot to break down with those two teams. But I think the Bills are one of the most interesting stories of what we just saw in the NFL season. And Josh Allen is somebody that felt like everybody was sort of split on. And then he took a meteoric leap this year. What difference did you see in the quarterback that is with you every day uh, that finally sort of mm-hmm. clicked for all the rest of us? Well, like number one, Josh Josh was able to be himself in a dominant way, you know. And not to say that in 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 the previous years that all of the weight w- was on Josh's shoulders, but Josh was able to become more of himself now. 
that basically meaning that uh, everything wasn't on Josh. You know, when Stefan had came came on board, it took a lot of stress off of Josh's back because Josh was able to be himself and not putting the entire game on his back where he could just be fluent and know that there's plenty of other like playmakers like out there that that can help Josh get the job and job done on uh, on offense. That's so true. I mean, everybody would love to have a Stefan Diggs, not just because of who he is and their connection, but what it meant for the rest of the team. I think I saw something like 16 different guys or 15 different guys catching a touchdown pass, yep. kind of an unbelievable Absolutely. statistic. Uh, you had the pleasure, I guess I'll say, we'll call it a pleasure, uh, for the last couple of years of facing Tom Brady. Uh, then mm-hmm. he leaves to the NFC and replacing him looks like the next guy who could be great for two decades in Patrick Mahomes. What is that like to look across the way and, and see and, and have and know that for you to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to probably have to go through that guy and that team? Well, uh, that's that's like that is what makes this sport such a great sport. And there's so many great players. And uh, I honestly think that if you're playing football for it to be easy, then you shouldn't be playing. And that's what makes it fun. You know, we have greats like, Mahomes and Brady and and Drew Brees and like all these guys that that are are just extreme athletes and they do and what they do well so honestly it's just it's just a test and uh, we get paid to make plays and we get paid to play the best sport in in the world so you know it's just it's just a part of it it was never meant to to be easy but hey uh, Patrick uh, and Mahomes is great for a reason and he's in a position that he is for a reason. So he's going to consistently keep us at our best, knowing that he's there and he's not going anywhere. For all the success that you guys have had. And every, as we look at the Super Bowl, Dion, uh, this was obviously a strange year for the entire league with COVID. So how much of what uh, happened this year plays forward into next? Like what can you guys take forward from the experiences of a weird COVID year? <laughs> well, uh, I would honestly say that uh, that the that the the biggest, uh, I guess the biggest uh, leap or the biggest thing that that we had to deal with was taking a step away from football because COVID it kept us all indoors and you know with coping with ball like we have our our like outlets like some guys go bowling some guys go to, to like like to the movies and some guys just do things to get their mind off and then they jump back in. Um, but you know, I like, I think that for the next year, if it's, if it's still there, that we are a step ahead in our down process when it's time to play, watch film, go like go to practice and step away. And, uh, you know, like this year was definitely a huge challenge, but you know, uh, and we got through it. It wasn't a. It was definitely not the easiest, but hey, uh, and we did it together. And the mafia definitely helped us every step of the way. Yeah, it's almost like the first semester of college, where all of a sudden no one's telling you how to handle your business, and you kind of figure out by the right. second semester when you're about to fail out that you got to be doing stuff on your own. That's going to be you guys next year. <laughs> you're going to be like, okay, I got to right. do all these workouts without the coach standing <laughs> over me. I got it now. I got it. Uh, right. <laughs> b- b- before right. we let you go, or you'll just be like Gronk and change shirts and just do one workout a week and keep changing the color of your shirt. Very smart. Uh, right, he's, right, he's, right. he's in a unique position. I wouldn't recommend everybody try that. Um 
Let's get a prediction from you for the game this weekend before we let you go. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, uh, prediction, honestly, I'm completely lost. You know, because Brady, <laughs> Brady, 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 like, shocked me. Like, Brady is, 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 is obviously proven that he is the best because he did it with a whole different team. But what I think was the best thing was is that the organization allowed Brady to, to be like himself. He went to a different team. They allowed him to grab the pieces that he needed to be great, you know, and they didn't just say, all right, here is this piece, make it work. They allowed it. They allowed Brady to be uh, himself, but Mahomes is a young legend. So uh, it'll be difficult, but I don't know. Like Brady, Brady just continues to uh, impress. So, you, you know, I'm a I'm a definitely stick with uh, and with Brady and and them Bucks. You know, Shady wow. was my old teammate. Shady was like was my old teammate, uh, Lashawn McCoy. So I'm I'm root, I'm root, I'm rooting for uh, and McCoy. You know. Wow. Okay. I don't blame <laughs> you. If I was a Bills player, I'd probably be so uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. scarred by Brady that I would be tough to pick against him. So awesome stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> Dion, we appreciate your time, man. Congrats on the new deal coming into the season. So deserved. And congrats on yes, kicking butt all year. Great season for you guys. Thanks so much for your time, man. We appreciate Thanks, Dion. You. Hey, I appreciate it. And you guys uh, stay safe and uh, just keep it snowing. <laughs> I don't know. We could use some sun and, like, yeah. I just want some beach. All right. That was yeah. Bill's offensive lineman, Dion Dawkins. Uh, great stuff from him. Brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, a Super Bowl winning coach with some interesting comments about Deshaun Watson. You'll hear him, and we will uh, we'll give you our thoughts on it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. And Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Deshaun Watson remains in the news, uh, not just uh, because he's an epic quarterback that uh, has obviously, according to multiple reports, asked for his way out of Houston, but because that creates reaction from people. So we're going to get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Sarah, uh, I mean, obviously we thought Brett Favre had already opened a can of worms that was at at least uncomfortable for a lot of us as uh, Brett Favre made it clear that he believes that current players make too much money to come out and demand anything, which already feels gross as a comment, right? Like, I think we all agree that it feels strange for somebody that, according to multiple reports, by the way, asked for his own trade when his team didn't go out and get Randy Moss at one point, for him to now come in and say players make too much money to have a voice. Well, first of all, what I keep thinking about every time anyone plays sound from Brett Favre is this. What the hell is Brett Favre doing here? Like, why are we still, why are we still playing this sound? First of all, he's, 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 he's a bad dude who was a good football player, but has always had bad takes and continues to be embroiled in some pretty shady stuff. Why we keep going to him for comment on stuff, I don't understand. And when he makes comments like that, it sounds completely nonsensical. In what part of any universe, fits are the richest people the ones that are denied opinions? Somehow, we're using that logic to reject the voices of wealthy players in favor of the voices of even wealthier owners. It doesn't make any sense. It's the most convoluted way I've heard someone try to essentially say, shut up and dribble. You get paid enough to play a sport you love. Now just suck it up and play, regardless of whether the team you play for is terrible and mishandling your career. It doesn't make any sense what he said. And unfortunately, 
other people are trying to top him with what they're saying. That also doesn't make sense. Well, and, and I'll, I'll double down quickly on that and say I've, uh, you and I both in our careers have worked with a lot of former players. I've never met a former player that was anti-current player rights and current player voice. It just seems so uh, counterproductive to me. Now, that being said, uh, now we've got coaches into the mix as, all, as well as Dick Vermeil, former head coach and Super Bowl winner, uh, made it clear on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin this morning that he does not appreciate Deshaun Watson's approach, saying the ultimate dad uh, you know, word here with disappointment. Well, I'm I'm a little disappointed, to be honest with you, because, you know, the image that he has presented coming out of college and through the draft and through his career so far in uh, Houston has been so positive, so positive. And I don't think this approach really reflects what he has presented over the past few years. So I'm disappointed, you know, and I just don't think we can anybody, whether it be that football team or the other 31 teams, start allowing players to step in and make decisions who runs them, who coaches them, and all these kinds of things. And I used to ask players about coaches and stuff like that that they had uh, worked for on other teams and that kind of stuff just to get insight, but not to – and actually to add – to my education and knowledge about people, but to uh, get to the point where you're sort of demanding uh, you want to say, I, I think is beyond the NFL player's contract. So quickly, Fitz, I think two things. This seems like it might be a take that's based on limited information. That is the thing that most got out was that he was disappointed to be promised to have a say and then not get one, and that he felt betrayed by the fact that they had agreed on something and then didn't follow through on it. But that doesn't speak to the rest of the culture issues that seem to be a big problem here and some of the stuff that this team has done inexplicably, including putting Bill O'Brien in too much charge, including Jack Easterby's weird rise, and including, of course, the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I think he's referring to one specific part of it. And even in saying so, he sounds very antiquated in his approach to the amount of influence that these players should have on these teams. And it does sound a little, unfortunately, like that very terrible old owner McNair quote, don't let the inmates run the asylum, which had some very racial undertones to it. That beginning where he said, maybe you're allowed to have some you know, opinion on it, but we can't have people running the team. It, it sounded a little too much like that for me. Well, the entire process bothers me because realistically, we live in a world where the Houston Texans, to your point, have let Deshaun Watson down at every turn. Now, that happens sometimes, and I understand that he signed a contract, but how often do we see the other side of it in the NFL where a mega deal is signed and then a year or two later, that player is underperforming and they're cut and there is no recourse for it. That player is cut and dead cap money is all that a team has to deal with. Fans call him a bust. Everybody wants that bum out of town. We hear all of this stuff every single time. So now what we have is a quarterback that's done everything right. I mean, he has Uh taken this team to the playoffs when they don't have the talent around to necessarily deserve that at times. He's made them better at every turn. He's done everything they've asked him to do. And now, for once, we have a player that's looking around saying, maybe it's time for me to cut my team, and we suddenly want to limit that player's ability to do so when the gauntlet doesn't swing the same way for the team. I I, I can't make it make sense why everybody constantly wants to to villainize a a player, uh, vilify a player for doing this. Well, and to your point, he said he's done everything right. Yeah, that's the whole point. He's done everything right the whole time, and the team's done everything wrong. So it should be more amenable to you that he would say something now and force his way out than if he was a problem guy. The issue is we're okay with letting the problem guys walk, and we try to punish the ones who have been good soldiers when they finally have had enough. Look at what it's done for Aaron Rodgers to be a good soldier, continuing to not be given the weapons that he needs. And unfortunately, it did get worse with the next thing that Dick Vermeule had to say this morning on KJNZ. I think we all, from time to time, in communication with people, 
especially in the intense world of National Football League, say something that you can't back up somewhere down the road because everything changes. More often than not, when you don't expect to find yourself, especially when you know a person in a confrontational position after you make a statement. So none of us are perfect, Kishan. You know that. I'm certainly not. And I've said a lot of things over my career I wish I hadn't said. I don't think I've deliberately broken an agreement or a promise with somebody through communication or poor communication. But uh, I just I just I still think, of course, I'm a coach or was a coach. I think uh, if you want to make all the decisions as an owner, then buy your own team. Oh, that's that last bit. First of all, it's a completely different part of your life being an owner versus a quarterback. He doesn't want to own the team. He wants to be a quarterback whose team makes decisions that are better aligned with his success and the team's success. And also, it's a pretty tone-deaf thing to say when one of the biggest issues in diversity across sports is that the ownership position is almost entirely cis white men. And that is the biggest part of this that that Dick Vermeil absolutely swings and misses on because, frankly, A, it's not simple enough to just come in and say, fine, okay, I want to buy one. Let me own a franchise. We all know that there are limitations to how many franchises there are and then limitations to who the owners will allow to own other franchises. So all it does is put a a magnifying glass on an issue the NFL already has. Uh, We'll keep breaking it down, but coming up, a couple of former Steelers are in the Super Bowl, so we'll talk to somebody that knows them well. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And we keep giving you the straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline to give the straight talk on a couple guys that had interesting paths to the Super Bowl on Sunday. Former NFL running back, D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo, thanks for the time. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm pretty excited to be on. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I get well, an opportunity to talk football. That's right. Yeah, yeah you get you got the itch. Uh, we obviously know 11 seasons for you with the Panthers and the Steelers. You played alongside Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Let's start with Le'Veon Bell. This is a guy who obviously bet on himself, and the jury's out on on how many people would argue it, it worked out. You know as far as money goes, but certainly has landed him in a position to be competing on Sunday. Are you surprised that he ended up uh, where he is and, and, and doing what he is now? I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, and because this is straight talk, I have no idea <laughs> how he ended up where he is today. Right. <laughs> and what I mean by not on the team, just where his career is today. He went from being one of the most feared running backs in the National Football League to having like a completely like off year to like a backup running back at the, with the Kansas City Chiefs. And not, not just a backup, but like doesn't play a significant role in their offense at all. So it's, it's really interesting not how dynamic he is, but how the league will look at you and alter your career. Because I don't think his – his, even with the injuries, I don't think his talent has diminished. He's still young. It's just the fact that he, he's not getting the opportunities that he got when he was with Pittsburgh. But, again, you know, it's interesting seeing how he ended up with Kansas City and the role that he plays within their offense. Well, part of the reason he's not getting a bigger role is because Clyde Edwards-Alaire has had such a great season. For a rookie to come in and have that sort of impact and do as many things as he does, from a running back standpoint, how difficult is that to adjust to the pro style and do that many different things? 
Well, it 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 is it it does help that you have Patrick Mahomes on mm-hmm. your football team <laughs> and a couple so other weapons around keep, you. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it keeps that lid on the the defense, if you will, and it keeps that eighth man out of the box. Well, the the thing is, is when Le'Veon was in Pittsburgh, uh, his offensive line was asked to do a lot in terms of holding those blocks for a long time because of Le'Veon's running style. Well, after Le'Veon left there, whatever team he was going to wasn't going to transform their offensive line to protect their running back. They was going to, trans- they was going to transform their offensive line into protecting their quarterback. And then, as you can see, both teams that he went to with the Jets, obviously they couldn't protect anybody. I think everybody <laughs> there is still in the infirmary from all the hits that they've taken because the O-line was just that bad. Uh, <laughs> and then you, you go to uh, Kansas City Chiefs where – they do a good job of running the football, but that offense runs, lives, and breathes behind that offensive system with Patrick Mahomes running it. So it's 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 interesting because nobody's willing to, other than the Tennessee Titans, was really committed to running the football. Now, I can say this, though. Since Le'Veon has left Pittsburgh, you look back, that same running back, uh, and James Conner, when he came out, he had a big year. You remember him having a big year, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What what are they talking about this year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so what's That's all the I'm value? saying? It's just it's, yeah, yeah. It's they're diminishing the value of the running back position. I, I, there's there's certain running backs again that offenses cater to. You look at the Tennessee Titans; they do a really good job. Derrick Henry is a absolute monster and beast, and I honestly believe that that offense not believe I know that that offense lives and breathes with Derrick Henry. But there's nobody committed like that in the National Football League, even looking at the New Orleans Saints and Kamar. Like, Kamar, everybody was saying, oh, he's that running back that can take control of a game. But everybody knows that that's Drew Brees' team. I, I don't care wh- who you bring in. You could have brought in Reggie Bush again when he was young. You could you could have brought in Adrian, Adrian Peterson when he was young. But it's not going to diminish the talent and the career and the Pro Bowls and the Hall of Fame career that Drew Brees has had. Yeah. So you, I, you so if if it's you, her, or any of us on this radio show, if we go to the Tennessee Titans and that quarterback has a speech and Derrick Henry has a speech, whose speech are you listening to? Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. The, they prioritize that. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Absolutely. We're talking to D'Angelo Williams. It was nice of none of us to point out that the Jets probably just spoiled Bell. You get that taint on you from the Jets, and it's hard to shake off even when you go to a championship team like the Jets. Uh, let's talk about the other half of the equation and Antonio Brown. First of all, I just have to ask, were you surprised to see the multiple stops, the behavior uh, the self-destructive behavior from A.B. across the different teams that he went to shortly after leaving Pittsburgh. So I, I actually played with Antonio Brown two years when I was in Pittsburgh, and I I thought he was amazing on the field. Um, right. I, again, I didn't know too much about him off the field because, you know, you're in that locker room for a brief moment, and then, you know, when when it would hit the headlines or the papers, that's when we would find out too, like, oh, snap. Because he was he was a quiet guy, but like he he a lot of surface talk if that makes any sense. So you didn't really get much real hard information. But to to see the things to see him as dynamic as he is and the impact that he's had on his career, just the off the field things, you would think, okay, all right. So 
I left Pittsburgh. It was rocky as hell. I end up with the Raiders. I should chill. I should probably back up because it's going to be a resurgence of my career. No, 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 no. I, I get in some trouble there. They let me go. I end up, I get picked up by the New England Patriots. You just like, oh, yeah, he 100% got it together now. <laughs> and there's no way. Bill Belichick is the mastermind of straightening people out. And what, what, how many games did he play? One or two or like four or something like that? Right. Uh, <laughs> and then he ended up getting cut. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh. And then he ended up uh, – Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. Uh, there's a lot of rumblings about, you know, uh, uh, him going to get Antonio Brown because nobody else would touch him. But what's crazy is his talent is very intriguing, even with the off-the-field issues because he's so dynamic on the field. But then you put him in a Tampa Bay's offense and he's just a, a receiver because everything runs through Tom Brady. So how was Mike Tomlin able to keep all of that in check while you were with the Steelers and all of this chaos is going on? And they still didn't give him coach of the year. That's what right? pisses me off. <laughs> you know how bad this is. Like even you supposed to just gift that to him the year after. Like, look, look, man, we know it was rough for you and you know, you never won coach of the year. I've understand all the things that you've done. I know every year when you get fired, I mean, when you get uh, eliminated from the playoffs, everybody's talking about fire Mike Tomlin. I know you get a lot of grief, but to find out that you were dealing with all this, you know, we're going to give you the next two coaches of the year. We didn't got to play a season <laughs> because you had to go through a lot. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, he, he held it together for a long time, and he paid him. Not only yeah. did he hold it together for a long time, but he rewarded them. He rewarded the behavior that he was. So I don't know if he was actually really dealing with something or he was just handling all his problems with money. Uh, some of us would be uh, handling some of our problems with money if we could, but we have to we have to choose other routes because we're in radio instead of football. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see how long it lasts yeah. in Tampa Bay. Uh, he's kept himself mostly clean this year up, up, up to the point he joined this team. Hey, thanks for the insight. Before we let you go, we need a prediction from you. Uh. <laughs> So I, I I don't want to say it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I, I don't think the game is gonna be entertaining. I don't think it's gonna be close. Oh no! Um, oh no! It's it's not gonna be close at all. Kansas City's gonna win this game hands down. Uh, and and here's why: if you look up the if you look at the defensive offensive matchup, like if you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how they're structured on offense, Tom Brady, and then you got uh, playoff Lenny as they call him now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him that because he earned that. Uh, <laughs> you have playoff Lenny. And just now finding that run game versus a quarterback. And if it comes to a, a situation to where we're going to have to scramble and we've got to extend plays, we already know who's going to win that. Right. Absolutely. And I feel like that's what this game's going to come down to. It's going to come down to who can extend plays and whoever extend plays, who can make that play down the field. And Tampa Bay just can't do it from the quarterback position. He can stand in the pocket and do it, but he's not extending plays. Absolutely. We kind of feel the same way so about I, this. I don't know about the blowout, but I feel the same way about oh, that no, mobility no. being I, a huge I, I part mean, of the game. <laughs> ten, ten points in the Super Bowl is a blowout. That's true. That's true. I'm not talking about the Seattle and uh, Broncos Super Bowl where they just blew them out 45 to 10. I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about 35, 25. All right, that's 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 a little bit more believable. Uh, yeah, we're not going Bears Patriots uh, on that one. Uh, thanks for the insight, D'Angelo. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate you, D'Angelo. No, no problem. 
D'Angelo Williams with us on the Goodyear Hotline here on Spain and Fitz. Uh, we're going to get back to lots more football talk, but first, uh, we're going to do some NBA and NHL and NWHL quickies. It's next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We did. That may continue today as well. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. If he keeps coming with the takes, like, this would be a more fun Super Bowl if our teams were in it. We might have to fight. I'm I'm moving straight up the ladder with my hot takes today. That's what we're going. You really are. Uh, We're an extra long show tonight. We're taking you into Nuggets Lakers and ESPN Radio here at 930 Eastern. So you get some bonus Spain and Fitz. Subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. So if you ever miss any parts of the show or our digital only pre-party and after party, you can get it there. ESPN app, podcast app, iTunes, all that good stuff. We're going to get back to the Super Bowl and all the NFL stories, but... When we have a busy day like today and we got other things to get to, we do a little quickies. We get in and out of topics fast. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. That's right. Fitz, you got any thoughts on Kevin Durant leading LeBron James at the top of the NBA All-Star voting so far? We'll get to the fact that there will be an All-Star game. But let's start first with the voting. He comes back from that Achilles tear first season with the Nets and uh, fans seem to be into it. Yeah, I think it's like absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's the only thing. I, like, how did we go from being the biggest villain in the NBA and the person <laughs> that everybody wanted to go away to now? It's like, no, but I mean, he, like, he should be leading the all-star voting. It proves it's not really a popularity contest in that sense, unless we believe that negative popularity is still popularity. So I think deep down inside, there's a lot more KD supporters than want to speak out. KD's like Nickelback. Everybody says they hate them, yet the tours are always sold out. So people are still going. People are still voting for KD. He's the Nickelback. Of the NBA. I'm dis- disappointed to learn that people are going, especially in a pandemic. I mean, that's well, not the thing I'm gonna going to put myself out there for. That's the uh, only thing keeping Nick I kind of agree with you, but I, but I think that the KD hate, the cupcake-focused hate, was mostly about that Warriors team, and you're right, absence made the heart grow fonder. Not only did he leave that team, but people realized it was silly to hate a player like Kevin Durant, who is that great, that fun to watch, who makes the league better, and I'm happy to see it because I'm someone who never begrudged him for his decision to go to Golden State. And for all the drama that they have over there, the NBA is better when Kevin Durant is playing. He has always been one of my favorite players. So uh, you love to see it, in my opinion. All right, moving on. Quickies. Sacramento King star De'Aaron Fox talked about the fact that there will be an NBA All-Star game, and this is what he had to say about it. I mean, if I'm going to be brutally honest, uh, I think it's stupid. Um, You know, if we have to wear masks and do all this... Uh, for a regular game, then what's the point of bringing the All-Star game back? But obviously, um, you know, money makes the world go round, so it is what it is. But, um, I mean, I'm not really worried about it. If I'm voted, so be it. If I'm not, I don't know. Would you play it? You know, you get fined if you if you if you uh, I, I'm if, if you're if you're supposed to be in it and you're not and you're not hurt and you decide not to play, that's that's a that's a hefty fine. So hell yeah, I would play in it. <laughs> Fitz, not in the top 10 Western Conference guards in the initial fan vote returns that were announced today, but I'm going to go with top one takes on the All-Star game. I love the refreshing honesty of, you know, I'm just here <laughs> so I don't get fined, right? Like right. That, that's some level of admitting that it's all about the money and that the only reason he'd want anything to do with it is because he'd get fined otherwise is everything that's wrong with this concept. I mean, we've said it before. We'll say it again. They should not, in my mind, be playing this game for any reason. There's no reason to take extra risk. And I just see this, the movie version of this, and, and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but the movie version of this has them all come together. God forbid one all-star is impacted by 
COVID, and next thing you know, they've all got it, and they all take it back to their teams, and suddenly we're sitting here saying, how did the NBA get canceled? Oh, yeah, they decided to have an all-star game. I mean, it just feels like it's a dumb risk to take in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I've heard some people making some really idiotic comparisons. Rachel Nichols was talking about the very realistic concerns about having this game, and someone said, well, why did they cancel the Super Bowl then? Well, that's just two teams playing each other. The same has been happening all year, and it's been mostly fine. The idea that you brought up is the reason this is such a concern. You're bringing the very best players from each team. So if they get ill and are unable to play, that's the superstars missing out. And they are each coming from a different place and then going to congregate and returning, spread all across the country, potentially infected. One would hope that's not the case because protocols in the NBA in terms of testing have been pretty good, but it's been so much harder to keep track of during COVID without the bubble. Uh, the idea of doing this, uh, to your point, seems seems greedy. And I know money makes the world go round, but it's it's a real risk for a season that's already tenuous. It feels to me like every single game is breaking case of emergency, right? They walk up to the glass, they shrug, they say, all right, we got to do it. They break it, they play the game. This is the one time you walk up, you're like, all right, we got it. No, no way, guys. We don't have to do this one. The league will survive without this one game. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. We're doing a little quickies. Here's the next story. Quickies. The NWHL announced yesterday they are suspending the current season due to new positive COVID-19 tests. This was the semifinal round of the Isabel Cup playoffs that were supposed to start today. This is after two teams, the Riveters and the Connecticut Whale, withdrew from the tournament within the last week, uh, a bunch of them due to positive COVID tests. This was kind of supposed to be a bubble, but was never really. It was advertised as such, but there were so many positive cases that we really have to wonder what quarantine protocols were in place. Fitz, I want this league to succeed. I want the best women's hockey players in the world to have one great league. And instead, what always happens is there's competing leagues taking different levels of talent. There's people who come in and want it to succeed so much that they throw money in it and it's not sustainable. They don't build with the right amount of growth. I I just, I'm sad for the players that this isn't happening. That's a thousand percent what this comes down to. And again, I can't uh, say on the one hand that the NBA shouldn't worry about money, but there's a different situation here when you're talking about a baby league, and that's what the National Women's Hockey League is. And at some point, the NWHL, uh, their salary cap is so small for teams. I think it was $270,000 per team, $10,000 minimum per player. So you're talking about such limited finances there. They're trying to grow something from the ground up. And when you're trying to grow something from the ground up, there's just – it seems like it's more collateral damage to the effect that COVID has on everybody and the people that are trying to find a way to increase their opportunity to live out their dream of playing professional hockey. Yeah, you got to get things right. And I know that's easier said than done during this pandemic, but it's more meaningful than ever to have these things go off without a hitch and get the kind of growth you saw with the NWSL, right? National Women's Soccer League had 400% ratings increase after they were the first back, did a bubble, and nailed it, put on a great competition. And you would like the same here, and, and unfortunately it didn't work out for the NWHL. Keep, keep in mind, and we'll be keeping an eye on the NHL as well, because their attempt to do this minus a bubble is also creating some pretty serious situations, including last week when the Knights had their GM and minor league staffers coach the team because all their coaches were in quarantine. So uh, a tenuous thing going on in the NHL as well. Coming up on Spain and Fitz, we're going to get some insight into Tom Brady and Bruce Arians from someone who knows them both well. We're going to keep talking Super Bowl, and we'll give you uh, we'll give you some insight on that Bucks team coming up next, ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. 
Got a little bonus time tonight. We're taking you up to Nuggets Lakers on ESPN Radio at 9.30 Eastern. That's right. You get 30 extra minutes. I know. Contain your excitement. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. (laughs) Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Uh, We're trying to get you as much brilliant insight into the Super Bowl as possible. So uh, some of the best ways to do that are to lean on players and former players that know these guys well. So uh, next up on the Goodyear Hotline, we head over there where we're joined by former NFL cornerback Darius Butler. Darius, man, good to talk to you. Obviously, you played for the Patriots in 09 and 10, and you played for the Colts uh, in 2012 when Bruce Arians took over as the interim head coach so uh, you've got a lot of experience around Tom Brady around Bruce Arians when everybody was up and down this year about the way the relationship was going to work give me the level-headed take on how these two actually managed to come together yeah man they they, they figured each other out um you know Brady's you know he's been coached hard his, his entire career uh, which which he you know never was against that BA he's always been tough he's always spoke his mind so I, I felt like those guys would be a match made in heaven. Um, it was definitely some, you know, some bumps along the way, which which I feel like everyone should have expected. But uh, they got hot down the stretch. Uh, been finding a way to win ball games in the playoffs, and um, you know it's going to be tough to to pick against them uh, come Sunday at home. Darius, we heard so much about. Arian style, this gunslinging style of no risk it, no biscuit. And we tried to figure out how that would work with a guy who's as old as Tom Brady is and doesn't have that mobility in the pocket. What have you seen from how this pairing evolved over the season to where it is now and how it works, those two disparate styles? Yeah, um, that was that was one of my concerns coming into it was like, okay, uh, Brady's obviously been a uh, I wouldn't say a dink and dunk guy, but he's you know finds he finds matchups, he manages games, and then he makes the big plays and big moments. And then uh, BA is always no risk it, no biscuit. So, um, with those weapons, um, you know Brady's thrown the ball down down the field more than we've ever seen, um, and he's been successful, man. I I I love to see this side of Brady in year twenty. What is this twenty one? It's crazy for for an old dog to. You know, I guess execute new tricks, but um, it got them all the way to the Super Bowl, man. And it, it, it's it's definitely that that relationship, um, him and the playbook with Leftwich along the way, just mature. You know, week in, week out, and now here we are, Tom Brady in his tenth Super Bowl. <laughs> so, what can they show Tom Brady in this Super Bowl that he won't expect? Like, how can the defense trick somebody as smart as Tom Brady? You can't. Uh, you know you can't. You, you've seen it all. He he's seen it all. Um, you just got to go out there and try to try to out execute him. Um, and, and obviously it's going to be you know more than Brady because um, you know Brady hasn't played his best football. I would say in, in this playoff run, honestly, you know the team team around him, the defense has made um, a tremendous amount of plays and put him in position, um, you know, to put it in the end zone. But um, you know we haven't seen Brady's best football yet. Um, obviously, this is a big stage that he's used to. Um, Mahomes is, I feel like, kind of used to it at this point as well. So is uh, Andy Reid, Doa Spags. You know, he's won three Super Bowls already as a coordinator. Todd Bowles has been around. So um, Todd Bowles, I'm sure, will try to throw some different things at him. Um, but it, 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 it's going to be uh, – not Todd Bowles, I'm sorry. Um, Spags will try Spagnola, to throw some yeah. different things at him. Yeah, and he's, he's obviously had some success against him in this game. Um, so it'll be interesting, but you're not going to fool him. You just got to out-execute him and take advantage of um, you know the opportunity that he gives you. We're talking to former NFL cornerback Darius Butler, who played for the Patriots and obviously with Tom Brady and then with the Colts and Bruce Arians. 
Uh, you know Brady pretty well, I'm guessing, or as well as you know someone can know a, a teammate from uh, the opposing side of the ball. And I'm curious what you think his response is to guys who don't get their assignments. Because I was watching NFL Live, I was watching Dan Orlovsky point out multiple times that Fournette and Jones missed their safety protections uh, and ended up causing Brady to get sacked. Uh, what are those conversations like? He seems like a very <laughs> intense guy that holds other people up to his high level of, of practice and play and everything else. Yeah, I, I would I wouldn't call them conversations, um, but it's definitely <laughs> you don't have to. Um, when uh, when when Brady's on the with my experience at least when Brady's on the field, um, you know even in practice and game, it's not much that a coach has to step in and say. Um, obviously, he knows everyone's assignments around him. He knows his assignments. And he holds his guys to a high standard, to a, you know, a championship standard. And um, I can remember being a, a, a second-year, first, second-year player on the field, you know, in the league. You know, my eyes are wide open. You know, I get beat on a play or something, and I can hear, you know, that, that distinct voice. You know, make a play, D-Black, make a play. <laughs> so it's like uh, it, it, it's everybody. And it, 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 yeah, it's everybody um, just kind of raising their level of play. And, uh, and, and you appreciate that as a player. Um, you know, you take constructive criticism from guys who know it better than you. And coaches and a guy like Brady, who's been around the block as many times as he has, um, would definitely fall into that category. So um, it's definitely, um, you know, him jumping on guys, but, you know, guy, guys don't mind it. So with that being said, Darius, you obviously were around the Patriot way, as we all say, it's a coined phrase, right? But then you're around Bruce Arians. So how does Bruce Arians differ from what the Patriot way is? Um. You know, the, the Patriot way pretty much summed up. It's just super accountability, you know, hyper accountability uh, behind closed doors. It's, it's doing your job. It's everybody knowing exactly where to be, exactly what to do. And, um, you know, B.A. is kind of cut from that same cloth, and he doesn't um, he doesn't hold any punches. Um, the thing about the NFL, the dynamic is kind of weird because, you know, the players, especially the big-time players, you know, they're making a lot more money you know, then a head coach, then a general manager, then those guys. So, you know, the hierarchy is kind of different. And coaches don't really call guys out like that. Um, but in New England, uh, with B.A., um, he's going to call guys out. He's going to hold everybody to the same standard. He's going to hold Mike Evans and Tom Brady and everybody in that room to the same exact standard. And that's what you appreciate. That's what you respect, um, you know, as a grown man, as a player. And um, that's where uh, the similarities are. But um, there's no real secret sauce, um, you know, to the quote-unquote Patriot way. It's just accountability and it, it being passed down, um, you know, the same message being passed down from the general manager, the head coach, the quarterback, all the way down to, you know, the last intern um, on the team. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to former NFL cornerback Darius Butler. So as a former DB, you're watching this Chiefs team and all of these weapons – do you have, Ooh. like, a, the the shivers or the chills even sitting at home <laughs> trying to think of how you – because we've been talking all week about the way the Bucks got ripped up by Tyreek Hill in the first quarter of their last meeting. They figured out how to send, you know, two guys back and kind of bracket him and, and step away from the very ill-advised one-safety press man kind of things they were doing. But he can hurt you in other ways. When you're watching, do you think in your head what you would be doing against this team? Hello? Yeah. yeah, do you think do you think about what you'd be doing against this team? So I think 
I think that's a no, Sarah. I think he's decided. Oh. Uh, he's decided he's out. Like, couldn't he, tell if that he, was he, me or him. I, I, I actually transferred the shivers to him thinking about that offense. <laughs> look, he, he looked at it and said, "Nah, if I got to cover him, I'm just hanging up. That's the way to go uh, on it." And uh, look, I think that uh, it, it's interesting and, and funny when you hear him talk about the personalities and the differences. And I think that you know, even hearing his initial reaction to your question about the weapons of Tyreek Hill from somebody that played in the league for nine years, just a, a reminder, Sarah, how daunting it is, right? Oh, oh well, there he is. All back. right. So, Darius, we were wondering yeah, if when sorry. you're watching, uh, do you Siri, think about how'd you do it? Out, yeah. I, I, heard, I heard most of your question, but, um, <laughs> yeah, watching this offense, um, and it's interesting. Uh, so, tomorrow um, on the Man to Man pod, we got Devin McCourty, actually. Um, he was obviously a part of the Patriots secondary. The only team to not uh, to beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs so far. And um, you got to, it starts obviously with taking away 10, um, that big play, because he can beat you so fast, like you mentioned. Um, but they move him around, they do a lot of things with him. They got Travis Kelsey, who's historically one of the you know, best tight ends in the league. So um, you really just got to take care of those guys 10 first and then make the other guys beat you. Um, that's what it really comes down to. And it's, it's easier said than done, obviously. Um, you got to have the personnel to be able to do it. you got to have the coaches to be able to communicate the game plan. And then within that game plan, you have to know um, also what you're willing to give up in these different coverages, right, or, or who you're willing to give it up to. And not, you know, if a guy hits you for a 30-, 40-yard play, you got to be able to line up and still believe and execute that game plan. So um, it's definitely, uh, you know, Tampa definitely has the weapons, especially up front with the, with the Kansas City O-line banged up to get the win, um, it's just going to be, um, can they go out and execute that game plan for 60 minutes? You guys can follow him on Twitter at Darius J. Butler. Also check out the man to man podcast. Uh, always good stuff there. Darius, man, we appreciate you. Darius, joining is us, that, my friend. Is, should we take that as a prediction that you got the bucks in oh, this yeah, game? We got a prediction. <laughs> man, you know what? I, I've literally been going back and forth, man. Like every 30 minutes. I'm like, come on, you don't be an idiot. You can't bet against Tom Brady. <laughs> Ah, don't be an idiot. You can't bet against, you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you're screwed either way. Um, no predictions yet. I'm literally going back and forth, but um, it, it's going to be a good one to watch, man. Oh, wow, he really evaded that? that. He weaseled his way out. I, 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 I don't have it yet, man. I don't have it yet. I'm close. <laughs> Darius, podcast host and also future politician. Way to yeah, weasel I'm out of that. I'm going to put him down for a weasel. No, hey, the prediction is weasel. <laughs> we appreciate you hanging out with us. Everybody check out the Man to Man podcast. Darius, thanks for joining us, brother. Thank you. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. And Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Obviously, it is Super Bowl week. We've been crazy and chaotic with it, but we've also been sharing some of our favorite strange Super Bowl moments and memories that we've lived through. We'll get a little story time next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Again, we're extra bonus time. If you're tuning in and thinking, oh, it's almost the end. I missed the show. No, you did not. We got an extra 30 minutes uh, as we're going to take you all the way up to Nuggets Lakers that you can listen to right here on ESPN Radio at 930 Eastern. So you get 30 minutes of free time with Spain and Fitz. Uh, We are excited excited for it. We're also excited uh, for the Super Bowl, although it's not the usual for us it's still a good opportunity to sort of walk down memory lane, right? So uh, these are opportunities, and Sarah and I have been lucky enough to both be around different Super Bowls and sort of experience it. So we thought one thing we would do to sort of bring our own experiences into it is have a little story time every day with different stories from the Super Bowl experience. So, Sarah, you, you I mean, 
Last night, I think I was drunk uh, trying to talk to Mike Golick and then slow dancing in the parking lot with one of my male friends. So, like, it's, right. just, it's, it's a very weird – you never know where story time is going to go. What you got for us tonight? You never know. Last night, I was uh, hijacking uh, safely a an ambulance to drive Mark Cuban and all of us to an after party. So, you know, we all, we all have our moments uh, at various Super Bowl events. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with this this uh, particular Super Bowl memory, a little bit more warm-hearted. So if you remember, a couple years ago, I did a story about the Kansas City Chiefs running backs coach, Dylan McCullough, and his incredible, unbelievable, if it was a movie, you would kind of laugh at how ridiculous it seemed, but it's real life, a story of finding his birth parents at the age of 45, the twists and turns that led him to learning who his father was. I won't spoil it in case people haven't read it. Google runs in the family by me or watch identity, the E60. And uh, when the Chiefs made the Super Bowl last year, I've been in touch with all of his family members. I asked who was going and his birth mom, Carol, was going to the game, uh, but didn't have tickets. I had been texting with her, hoping to see her during the week. And a friend of mine from Gatorade, who uh, they had a big party a couple days earlier. I was chatting with her. She asked if I was going to the game. I said, no, not as of now. And she's like, well, would you want to? I was like, yeah, which, by the way, has happened to me like four times, which is why it's so crazy when you really want to go and no one could hook it up. And when you don't ask, someone always just offers mm-hmm. you a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, so she offered. And then I got greedy and I was like, well, I mean, if you happen to have tickets, how cool would it be if I could take Dylan's birth mom to the game to see his team play? And so my friend Kate, who's the best from Gatorade, hooked it up, and I got to take Carol to the game with me and watch her, watch her son win a Super Bowl, and it was awesome. That is an amazing story. That is really heartfelt and incredible. Uh, Mine's not going to be. Spain and Fitz presented (laughs) by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and... uh, uh, that is, man, I like that warms my heart. And now yeah. I feel terrible tell, telling the story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So uh, you speak about uh, free tickets. And, you know, this is one of the most amazing things to me is that I have had the opportunity, not since I got into sports, but it, when I was in music, it felt like it just fell in my lap that I went to several Super Bowls in a row. And so there was one particular Super Bowl, and uh, if this person that uh, did all of this is listening, we won't be friends anymore. But uh, I have a friend (laughs) that uh, called me just a few days before and said, look, uh, I have an extra ticket. Uh, I have two, and it turns out that my plus one is no longer wanting to go. So if you want to go to the Super Bowl, all you got to do is get yourself here. You you know, it's like I got an extra ticket. I got uh, two beds in a room, so you can actually just grab the other bed in the hotel. It'll be perfect. Uh, I've got everything taken care of. All you have to do is get here. So we were on tour at the time with the Band Perry. And so I went to the the bus driver and I'm like, okay, if I can buy a plane ticket today flying out of Atlanta, can you reroute the bus to take me to Atlanta so that I can get to Arizona? It's the Super Bowl. It was the Patriot Seahawks Super Bowl. So uh, he said, yeah, you know, they figured it out. Everybody worked it out. I, uh, the guys were gracious on, and girls on that bus and they, they let me reroute, take us a little out of the way, get dropped off in Atlanta. I sleep overnight in the, uh, in the airport of Atlanta because when the bus dropped me off, I wait all night and I take the flight. I fly into Arizona. Well, in Arizona, they were having low fog and it was causing landing. Uh-huh. Nobody mm-hmm. could land. So I'm mm-hmm. circling in the air and I'm circling and I'm circling. And my buddy's texting me and he's like, uh, he's panicked that I'm not going to get there in time because now I'm landing the day of the game. And uh, my God, am I even going to be able to get there? So as I land, I'm like, oh, I'll just grab a cab or whatever and get there. And he says, you'll never get here in time. I'll send a car. <laughs> so he, you know, he works for another media company, had said media company, send me uh, send a car to come pick me up. So I get out of the airport. And I'm like, man, this is so amazing. Thank you so much. Get in the car. 
car starts to get towards the uh, towards the stadium. Now, I haven't gone anywhere. I've gone straight to the stadium because of the timing. So I have my backpack on me. That's all I had on my possession, right? I get to the, the we get close to the exit, and the car's like, I'm not going to get you any closer than this. So he just drops me off about two and a half miles from the Super Bowl. So I literally run with my backpack the two and a half miles to get to the Super Bowl. I get to the parking lot there in the little outside area that's blocked off where there's like performances and stuff pre-Super Bowl. So I go walking up. Well, they won't let me in with my book bag. So I can't do anything with it. The security guy says, hey, you can't bring your book bag inside. Uh, I had a laptop in it. So you can't have your laptop. So I'm like, what do I do with it? Guy says to me, just throw it under one of the cars in the parking lot. Nobody will notice, which is a terrible piece of advice. Yeah. So it happened to be Dirks Bentley was playing that pre-show party. So I text my buddy that plays for Dirks. He came out. He took my laptop. I'm nice. finally in the stadium. I'm in the stadium. My buddy says, all the drinks and food are on you because I got the ticket. No worries. We're great. So I get the drinks. I get the food. I buy everything. I see the unbelievable. Why didn't they just hand the ball off to Marshawn? I see this ending of the Super Bowl. Incredible. So we're walking back towards the car. My buddy says, hey, did you pay for the car? service earlier and i'm like no nobody said anything he's like well you have to pay for the car service i had no idea so i call the car service charged me 750 dollars <gasps> for the uh, for the ride because it was a peak pricing time so oh. i paid my 750 dollars which then he not sent easy, you yeah which, which was not an easy thing for me to do at that point in life either right. that was like um which credit card am i going to put this on Maybe that was I your super bowl it. ticket Maybe. right there <laughs> so my 750 dollars we get back to the hotel finally like i get back to the hotel i'm like it's fine we're just going to sleep and then when we get to the hotel, he's like, yeah, you know, it turned out I just got like the one room with the big bed in it. So, um, <laughs> you know, I got a couch. You can sleep on the little mini couch. Oh. So I sleep on the couch. He wakes up at three in the morning because he's got to fly out the next day. And he's like, I need you to get out of the room. So I leave the room what? at three in the morning after the Super Bowl. And Why I would you need to get out? I don't know. I don't it doesn't know. even he make did. any sense. So this free trip to the, like, I used my points. I was like, this is, the, to fly there, I was like, this is going to be a free trip. That's oh, how I, I sold it. I was, it's going to be great. Ended up between all of the taxis and cabs and everything. Cost me over $1,000. Nothing went the way I was expected. I, you know, I slept three feet from some snoring guy that, you know, may or may not. Yeah, uh, yeah, it just yeah, was weird happened. getting up at three in the morning. It was, it was terrible. It was awful. But I saw the, oh, my God, why didn't they hand the ball off to Marshawn? So really quick. That fog was why I couldn't get out of there. That was the morning after the ambulance story, which, if you remember, mm. was us trying to keep drinking at 5.15 yes. a.m. Okay. So I did not go to bed. I went to the airport. I was still drunk. My flight got delayed, which I had planned to just sleep on. So while I'm waiting for my delayed to hopefully eventually leave flight, I fall asleep on the floor of the airport. Just no care for how I look. I finally land in Chicago hours later. It's a blizzard in Chicago. So fog plus blizzard. I take the train because the cabs are going to be too slow. I put my head headphones on. I don't listen to a single thing. I turn my phone off so that no one can text me. I walk past every human being without engaging with anyone, whether they're in a train or a lobby, my doorman. I go upstairs. I start the Super Bowl from the beginning at like 9 p.m. and watch all the way to the end so that I could see without any spoilers them decide to throw it at the goal line and get picked off to lose. Look at that. See, we were in the, we were probably in the airport at the same time. That's the sort of story time you only get on Spain and Fitz. Coming up, bonus Spain and Fitz. We'll get you set for a Western Conference clash coming up later tonight. That's next, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80. That's our little bonus, Spain and Fitz, as we get you ready for Lakers Nuggets. Remember this song from the uh, presidential inauguration? Wow. What a hit. I was, 
I was actually about to come in at the same time. Uh, we almost came in synchronized. Wow. Uh, That's the, the kind of search. synergy we've got going on here. We'll also, the lack of communication during the commercial break about who is going to run this part of the show. Uh, we're, nailed we're it. busy communicating. <laughs> Someday they're going to put out the behind the scenes of this show. <laughs> and they're going to find out during the commercials, especially when Chris Mitchell, one of our uh, yeah. wonderful employees behind the scenes. Real distraction. On the show. Uh, like, uh, uh, we're just going to spend the whole time loving his misery. That'll be the behind the scenes. <laughs> Like everything Mets and Jets related that could possibly make a grown man cry, we'll cover. <laughs> that is the sound that best summarizes their recent seasons. <laughs> Don't forget tomorrow, KJ and Z, six to ten Eastern, more Super Week coverage. Ron Rivera, head coach of the Washington Football Team, will join them at nine ten a.m. Eastern. Speaking of the superb owl. We asked you guys for some bold predictions that were sure to come true on Sunday. Not the weird ones that you don't think will happen, but the ones you're hoping actually or think will actually come true. If you're right, you will get a shout out on the show on Monday, the highest honor. Let's go through some of these fits and see if there are any that we're buying and maybe some that we're absolutely sold out on. Um, I think we can easily say that at Captain underscore Tassik's idea that Chad Henney will be the MVP is very bold and absolutely not going to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, the number yes. of things that would have to go wrong for Chad Henney to be the MVP. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you're talking about the fact that Bucks fans and Tom Brady fans forever would have to then say, we lost the Super Bowl to Chad Henney, which is already <laughs> disturbing Anything enough. is possible. But then what happens to Chiefs fans? Because in that scenario, that means Mahomes goes down at some point. I don't want to wish that on anybody when they're watching <laughs> the Super Bowl. Like, that's a level of angst nobody should have to suffer through. Uh, moving on. The at Trenchman 003 says Edwards Alaire is the MVP with three touchdowns. Cardi B makes a cameo at halftime and Neil Patrick Harris is in a commercial, which is the most likely. Um, well, Neil Patrick Harris feels like in a commercial is a pretty easy one, right? Like that, that seems like it's pretty, that, that one's pretty happening. I, I have a hard time finding three touchdowns uh, for Clyde Edwards Alaire in this. Maybe I'm wrong. And Cardi B, of all the people to come out with the weekend, I, I don't think Cardi B's at the top of the list. Okay, so I'm going Cardi B most likely because we know that the weekend has a couple songs with uh, Cardi B, right? Hennessy and Heartless. There's uh, some remixes with Drake and Nicki and, and Cardi B. Plus, I mean, she was one half of the biggest song of the last year or so. So maybe Megan The Stallion and Cardi B. Well, Get out that, there. Yeah, well, that, that's not a terrible It's not exactly a family-friendly song. So but maybe... Maybe Reebok is actually sending us a message because I got a text earlier today from Reebok announcing the new Cardi B sho- shoes. Ooh, so there you maybe, go. maybe that's a time. Oh, she's going to break those ahead. out during the game. What would they have to change the lyrics to, though? Is there any part of that song, everything. WAP, that they could put in the I mean, show? Literally everything. It would just be one long beat with an apology <laughs> written on the screen in Cardi B's face. And then they'll come they got, back. They're like, like if ready. you if you sent in an angry letter about Jennifer Lopez and Shakira, you're in for a treat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you were angry last year. Here we go again. Oh, my God. Oh, it's Fane and Fitz. We're going over some of your bold predictions for Sunday's game at at Angry Bears FDM, who was actually a member of our uh, of our fantasy football league, Wet Bleep Pigskin. Just for flits, fits and gliggles, I think it was the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he said, bold prediction, Mahomes has 40-plus attempts. Brady gets sacked three-plus times. Andy Reid has seconds of his post-game meal. And Bruce Arian's face turns red. I'm in for all of them. I think all of those feel pretty likely. I really wanted Andy Reid 
to have his meal during the second half, though. That would be better if Andy Reid was like, guys, just need a snack. Just going to have some Jersey Chiefs Mike get enough of a night. lead that that celebratory cheeseburger comes before the clock's actually down to Could zeros. you imagine? I mean, the ultimate trolling <laughs> is to the be memes. ahead so much that you can just sit on the sideline, sit on the bench, and grab yourself like a Wendy's Jr. Bacon cheeseburger. Like, that would be amazing. Uh, at Biopolitics says, Gronk gets 69 receiving yards and pulls himself out of the game. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Oh, God. Not taking Uh, any more, guys. I'm done. (laughs) At T underscore L underscore Siegler, whichever team wins, the losing team will refuse to concede, storm the locker room, and try to disrupt the trophy presentation. Too soon? Yes. Too soon, TL. Also, there's a lot of Florida mans down in Tampa, so I wouldn't put it past anyone. (laughs) By the way, did you see the guy who has the state of Florida silhouette tattooed on his face? No. It's making the rounds, his his uh, mugshot. I think he wants, there's no guessing at all. Like, everyone knows immediately when they see him, Florida man. <laughs> I, I, uh, big old I, America's wang right on his forehead. I have, I am <laughs> so brilliantly said by you. <laughs> I have, uh, I've, I've always thought, you know, as somebody that has a lot of tattoos, I think very long about all of them before I've ever gotten them. Phrasing. I can't imagine at that moment just being like, hey, let's just go with this idea. By the way. Uh, TL also tweeted us a halftime performance by Chris Gaines stuns the world. That would be Garth Brooks' alter ego. Yeah. So like yeah. the thought that Garth would come out Big not year as for himself, him. but as Chris Gaines would be. <laughs> whew, that would yeah. just be, starts at the yeah. inauguration and then uh, makes another performance at the Super Bowl. Big year for Garth slash Chris. Uh, at Scott is the guy predicts for Sunday that Metallica will do a collaboration with The Weeknd at halftime. So this is something we were actually talking about off-air the other day. Usually the cameo comes from someone that appeals to a different market, right? So if there's fans that don't like The Weeknd, whoever gets thrown in with them will get the country fans or the metal. I don't know. What's the? Is there a Metallica Weeknd collab that you could see happening? No, and, you know, I always say, say this every year, I feel like, but I've sat in meetings before with the people that are part of the committee that decides on the Halftime Act, and it's always interesting because they're genuinely looking for acts that have the broader set for people mm-hmm. that wouldn't be watching the Super Bowl. So they want main acts that would be on, like, adult contemporary and on current pop. They want main acts that have, like, a really grandmas and uh, grandkids both all like them, right? So everybody's happy with them. And then when they sprinkle in the others, it's to broaden the horizon. I just don't think as much as Metallica would broaden some of that horizon, Metallica is not bringing in a portion of the audience that isn't watching otherwise likely right. to me. So feels like a stretch. They are also performing on Colbert's show. Uh, so... I'm guessing that that's a, a different, whole different thing related to the Super Bowl, but not the actual Super Bowl and not with the weekend. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm not going to go with you on that one, on that one, Scott. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking about your bold predictions and whoever gets them right will get the shout out on Monday after the show, along with whether Fitz or I was most accurate to guess how the game will look. We did questions about tight end success and running games and everything earlier in the show. We'll do all that on Monday, recapping it. Uh, Wow, TL had another one. He's giving us all the good ones. Super Bowl commercial pitch. Jack Nicholson recreates the Code Red scene from A Few Good Men to promote Mountain Dew Code Red. (laughs) That's just a good idea. That's That's a great idea. Like You should have like found some way to, however you can legally protect that, and then pitched it. You know, I think that's a... That's a great idea. I did like Zach. Uh, Zach what Klepler said Tom Brady will be the leading rusher in this game. <laughs> uh, it's spectacular work. In right .02 of a yard at a time, right? Uh, <laughs> at Dirt. Oh, wow. This is a rough matchup. Yeah, this isn't working out great. Uh, at Dirt Part 2, Brady will throw a pick six and the Bucks will still win. 
That's a reasonable that prediction. Happen. He threw three in the last game and they still won. At Drewsko 700 91 fat guy touchdown! Uh, we love those in this household, of course, because the last if time my Bears won, we, of course, saw the fridge score the touchdown. If you haven't uh, heard this, Mike Golick Jr. has coined the phrase thick six for any fat guy touchdown. <laughs> so thick six. Two seats, Oh, now I really want it to happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll get also, the thick six out of this. Also, should day. I bet on a doink? What do no, you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, karma says yes. Karma says karma, that karma, I'm karma, owed karma, karma, karma. some sort of good thing to happen because of a doink instead of what we all know went down with the double doink. So I'm leaning towards betting on a doink. Coming up, we got Nuggets Lakers right here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Spain and Fitz. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.